Slavery was not invented by white people. It did not start in 1619 when the first slaves came to Jamestown. It existed before then. It did not start in 1492 when Columbus discovered the New World. In fact, when the intrepid explorer landed in the Bahamas, the native Taino tribe Slavery existed in Africa, Asia, and the Middle East. The word slave actually comes from the Slavs of Eastern Europe. Millions of them, all white by the way, were captured and enslaved by Muslims in the 9th century and later by the Ottoman Turks. Slavery existed when the Roman Empire... Crickets and the rust beetles scuttled among the nettles and sage thicket. Vamanos, amigos, he whispered and threw the busted leather flint cloth over the loose weave of the saddlecock, and they rode on in the friscalating dusk light. Well, everyone knows Custer died at Little Bighorn. What this book presupposes is, maybe he didn't? Welcome back to Why Are We Like This, the podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. I'm David Quinones, your host. We've had a bit of an informal summer break, but we're we're coming back just in time for all the bad things to get a little bit worse. Um, I'm joined by my co-host, Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, what's up, man? Enjoying our summer break, trying not to melt in Miami, but happy to be back with the boys. Uh, it's no longer a slow news day. It's a big, big news week. Yeah, it's getting swampy out there. Um, and if Tom, if Tomas is on one side of my screen, that means, of course, I'm joined by my other co-host, Gerald Doherty. Hello, Gerald. Um, I'm doing well. Um, I, uh, I'm in summer school. Um, I got very bad grades, uh, all year. Um, and, uh, I've been learning that, uh, you know, one upside of the Holocaust is, uh, the people who are in there in the camps, uh, they learn how to tell really good jokes. And sometimes you gotta look at the bright side of human atrocity. So I'm learning a lot in school, man. We're gonna make a whole podcast that's called just the bright side, and it's gonna be at the, about the Florida educational systems. Um yeah, focus, yeah, look on the bright focus side. On, on, on the good parts of the worst parts of the of history. Uh, we are catching up from our little light output flop era summer. Um catching up on a lot of things. Uh, Barbenheimer, we're going to talk about that. Climate, the environment, its effect on tourism, our economy, our governor's response to the various crises that we're facing. Um, His response to his own little personal crisis, which is the uh, DeSantis 2024 presidential campaign. But really quick, before we get started, I wanted to check in um, on an old friend of the pod, a uniquely Miami guy, the king of losing 99.9% of your valuation of your IPO, uh, Mr. John Ruiz. This is from today's Miami Herald. Uh, it says, that, quote, red flags on top of red flags, end quote. Problems mount for UM Athletics booster John Ruiz. Even by Miami standards, John Ruiz has been living large. He doesn't buy just one waterfront mansion. He buys seven he doesn't just buy twenty uh, a twenty seat private plane. He buys a private Boeing passenger jet, and he doesn't just stop buying fancy speed uh, just buy fancy speedboats. He buys the companies that make them. Um, <laughs> they go on to uh, talk about how his pre uh, his his insurance claims company Life Wallet, previously known as MSP Recovery, which we've talked about on this show, uh, is now the target of a federal civil and criminal investigation. The ongoing federal probes. There's two probes. Those are each civil and criminal uh, probe mark an unprecedented level of trouble for the one-time TV host whose business practices and outsized lifestyles evoke evoke comparisons to Donald Trump. Wow. That's high praise for a guy. He probably 
yeah. appreciated hearing that. I would that think. is generous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so all, all of this stems from Life Wallet, which is um, he's kind of turned that into this like, the, like just the lowest common denominator, like sleazy version of like NIL, uh, you know, like college athlete um, sponsorship deals where I, I, I definitely agree college athletes should be making money off of their likenesses and stuff. But this is kind of if you dive deep into what NIL deals are, it's it's kind of just modeling contracts. It's like just the hottest swimmer on the team, you know, and it, like it, it results in like 60 year old sports dudes like gawking at 18 year old girls in bikinis and shit it's just like really kind of gross it's not like oh lebron james deserves to get paid when he's 18 years old it's more just like like really nasty shit um and so this all stems from life wallet which ostensibly is is the forward face of what was msp recovery msp recovery was this like uh this this scammy um you know scheme where they would basically find incorrect Medicaid payments and just chase them down and, and charge a fee for recovering them. Uh, one of those like middleman companies that is basically this entire country these days that it, it just, it's like skims a little bit off the top of some transaction. It's just bullshit. Um, and uh, who would have guessed? Apparently there's something sketchy going on there. I don't know. What do you think, Tomas? You know, call, color me shocked. I, I, Never would have guessed. I never tweeted about this or posted. Neither did you. Neither did Billy Corbin. Neither did a bunch of people in the city that are always right years in advance to every grift and con that are public officials and the parasite and remoras that surround them uh, always commit. So I, for one, never saw this one coming and I never posted about it repeatedly on my uh, Twitter account. I don't know. I, I, so I'm late to the Ruiz party, I would say. I'm finding I find out about this guy through you yeah. guys. And I wonder if there would be a way to just do like a deep dive into just him, not even his doings, just him like as a as a character, like as a like a fixture because well, fir- he is fascinating. Yeah, the first time he popped the first time he popped onto my radar was when he somehow got the Miami New Times, which I, I I think has some of the best journalistic integrity of the limited options we have down here in Florida. Miami New Times has pretty strong journalistic integrity, but he somehow mm-hmm. got some pretty good a pretty good reporter from the New Times to breathlessly cover him just buying and flying his private jet for the first time. And it was just one of those gee-gaw, like, oh, my God, look at this rich guy and how rich he is type of fucking stories that every rich guy wants written about them. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? And I was like, this guy seems – I'm going to bookmark this in the back of my head. I think this was like 2017 or something. And I was like, mm, it seems sketchy. And then sure enough, he starts coming up with these harebrained schemes to build – uh, you know, a fucking football stadium, like on top of the Metro mover and shit like that. Like the most asinine ideas. Yeah. And then another one at tropical park, which is how I ended up getting quoted in a story. It wasn't one that didn't he want to like build one in Coral Gables? He did like, and they were like, well, 50 different logistical reasons that it's impossible that it was not possible to do it. And his, he, 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 you know what? He is very much Trump, Trump like in the way where he's just like, Oh, those are just haters. They don't want us to succeed. And no, but he's a really bad poster. Like he's posted. Oh, also, we should invite him on the pod. Like we should extend like invitation. Yeah, to to, to square off. (laughs) Square up and square. He did challenge Billy to a fist fight. Really? And I 
Yeah, what? he challenged he challenged Billy for to, to a fist fight for um for uh charity. This was a couple years oh, ago. Like, this a, was like a, a boxing a while. thing. Yeah, like a charity boxing thing. Yeah, exactly. This was that, that like even predates like now like the YouTube personality like creator class right. stuff. Well, like he he he's very ahead of the curve. This take guy. I'll take him on that. Yeah. I'll definitely take him on. Yeah. You don't want that. You don't want this smoke. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I tried to. You know, and Billy is always getting challenged to fist fights. Who was it? It was um, the Miami Beach Ariola challenged uh, Billy to a fist fight too, like years ago. And that was another one where I stepped in and I was like, "Hey, Ricky, I'll fight you. I don't even really know what's going on here. I'll just fight you." Yeah, yeah. I'll to- I would totally do like a charity like uh, boxing like match. That sounds fun. Um, Piece of Miami history for listeners. Once, one time, uh, Joe Carollo, who we the corrupt grifter commissioner from uh, City of Miami that lost the ball and chain loss, and we talked about it in previous episodes, he was challenged to an actual duel by Jorge Mascanosa, who was a former uh, president of the uh, Cuban American National Foundation, and like a gun duel. Okay, uh, it would have yeah. been for honor. Yeah, for honor, basically, and it would have. I mean. It would have been a win-win for the city of Miami residents, no matter how that one went. So you can make that whatever you want, but I'm just saying. Uh, between the between the two of them, the only thing I could think of is both of them misfiring and hitting something that costs a lot of money that taxpayers have to replace. Yeah, like that's exact. That's what would have happened. Yeah, also, and 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 uh, obviously Joe Carollo, like uh, chickened out, didn't do it. No honor. No, but that wouldn't have been fair because Joe Joe has a long history as a very successful Marine sniper, right? You remember yeah, that? Yeah. I don't know if you guys heard about that. Yeah, he got, of course. He, when, uh, when like all of like the city of Miami police department showed up in military trucks and stolen Ballard t-shirts to be like, you're a yeah. veteran, you fucking loser. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, Jer, I'm going to bookmark your idea for going deep on John Ruiz. And uh, Tom, yeah. Tomas, I'm going to equally bookmark your idea for inviting him on for his own his own expose. Because really I think that, that would be a fun episode. He's, 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 um, the only thing with him is like, guys, I hate, I fucking hate paperwork. The thing that holds, that has always had a weird, irrational, like hold on me in terms of fear in the, in public, especially like doing independent media shit like we do is the bullshit lawsuits, which I know T you have to deal with all the time, but like the bullshit lawsuits that are like, I I just don't feel like, I, I know that they're meritless and I don't, and he's one of those guys that is constantly suing fucking people or pretending he's going to sue and then you have to anywhere. fucking like... I would uh, love to be sued. Yeah, they never guy. go anywhere. We would destroy him in Discovery. Like, he, he would be over. Oh my God. Can you imagine all the shit that you'd find out? All the bodies buried underneath that fucking mansion in Coral Gables? Yeah, John, you, um, don't, you, don't, you don't want this smoke, man. I'm a very litigious individual myself. <laughs> ah, I'm something of a litigator myself, yeah. actually. <laughs> uh, okay let's get on to something that's a little bit more fun than that Tomas I know you're long long time listeners of the show know that Tomas um, is a bit of a cinephile it was a hell of a time to be a movie fan last week movies are back baby. Um, we uh, movies are back just in time for them to go away maybe forever yeah, <laughs> so, um, so here, here, here I want to ask you guys first which should I go see first because I haven't seen either of them yet Barbie or Oppenheimer uh, why and what your like, I don't know, your 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 tweet length uh, review of each of them were. Um, you should see Oppenheimer first, just because I I did see a few people posting that people who went to see Barbie first and then went to see Oppenheimer had uh, a bit of a case of the giggles and were laughing at things during Oppenheimer that were not appropriate to be 
laughing at just because they were in too light of a mood. So I would say Oppenheimer first, then Barbie, if you're going same day um, as a palate cleanser. Um, they're both fun. Like that, like we said, like that summer movie, these are summer movies in the way that they're used to be summer movies. I do think that they're, um, the enthusiasm behind them comes from them being very polar opposites in their mood and themes and that they both came out on the same weekend is, you know, a bit of a, you know, melding of opposites is providing a lot of content for people on the internet. Um, They are also very similar in, the whole, I mean, one as a piece of like IP by Mattel, um, as part of apparently they're trying to make the MCU the Mattel cinematic universe. Apparently, J.J. Abrams will be making a, a Hot Wheels movie oh in a serious style like this one was with Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Um, putting it to the audience that basically all that matters is how you feel about these people, whether it's Barbie or Oppenheimer. One has very little in the way of like real world consequence because one is just a toy. The other, I felt like it was a very big cop out to just do the same hand wringing about Oppenheimer that Oppenheimer did about himself in the 60s, like the 50s and the 60s, and then put it to the audience. How do you feel about him? Because if you say what he did was wrong, like what, like, like that he is a net negative for history you're, you know, you're, you're basically nailing him to the cross mm. in this, like your punch is probably, if you say he was a force for good, you are, there's nowhere for you to go except the, we dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, uh, and that ended the war. You become you, like the blood is now on your hands morally, basically. Um, but it feels very like, not to use a term, whatever, like these are lib films. These are, I can't change my surroundings. Um, so all that matters is how I feel about myself and how other people uh, feel about me. Um, but they're both good. They're, I enjoyed both of them. I would recommend both of them to anyone. Um, but they, they are frustrating also. In, in Cheryl, how do, you, how do you feel about the, the theory that's been floated by some people that this is actually uh, Christopher Nolan's attempt to come to terms with his own um, Oppenheimer moment of basically creating the modern cinema world of, of the MCU and unnecessary comic book shit everywhere, which is his fault for creating Dark Knight. Well, right? Yeah, I'm, that basically Oppenheimer Oppenheimer is history's Batman. A nuclear weapon that killed <laughs> millions of people and could possibly end human life, and also the possibility for renewable energy, but you know, like just a, a, a life possibly ending device on the whole planet to like just creating like obnoxious, like yeah. I mean, movies. That's a little silly to me. I, I, I agree. It's like, it's hard to tell which is worse. I, I completely agree with you. It's, it's basically so the same thing. That it could be true though. Like it could be, I, I actually do think that it's just ridiculous, but it could be true. Yeah. <laughs> T, what did you think of the movies? I don't, I don't watch them. I, I will. You didn't watch them? This was all for you! God damn it! I will, I will. <laughs> so we assigned, <laughs> we basically assigned Jerry to go watch yeah, these. He's a reviewer. He's a part <laughs> I had fun. I had fun. By the way, I do not, this is not homework. I had a fun time at these fun movies. Like, I would have done this without a podcast. In fact, I'm going to I'm gonna go see Barbie on Tuesday, uh, and I will see Oppenheimer later that week. Uh, but, yeah, it's been a busy week. I've been traveling a lot for work. But, um, Dude, let's go. Let's both, me and you, let's drive up to what we'll, we'll, we can carpool. Let's drive up to the Fort Lauderdale, the real IMAX, and yeah. go watch it there. I'm so fucking down. Let me know. You know, I, 
I would disagree with you, Gerald, even though I haven't watched the movie. But I would. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to watch them together because uh, I just don't have time. I, I would. Yeah. But I would watch Barbie first because I feel like I'm going to like it more. And um, I feel okay. like Oppenheimer is really long. And I am, um, as you all know, I'm a, I'm a very big proponent of the tight 90. Like we should bring back 90 minute movies, except on very special occasions. Uh, I mean, I, I see why Oppenheimer would be long, but like, I'm like, damn, I'm going to feel like a little exhausted if I watch Oppenheimer and then I have to watch another movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like, back to back is I tough. Already feel like in the, in the cinematic equivalent of a K-hole. So I'd rather just not have something to watch after that. <laughs> so I, I, what I will say, there was a lot to digest with Oppenheimer. Um, but it's not a plotting three-hour film. Um, I looked up uh, – her name is Jennifer Lame, um, who did the editing for this movie. I would book it very early. Like, she's going to win the uh, – like, any award she's up for for editing, she's going to win it. It is a brisk three-hour film. It's shot montage style, so, like, no shot I don't think is longer than, like, five or six seconds. Like, it, it chugs along. Uh, I checked my watch, like, once during the movie, and it was already two hours right. in. And there were several times where, like, I had to pee, but, like, I just didn't because I didn't want to miss what, what was going to happen. Um, ironically, uh, Jennifer Lame, uh, her previous experience with editing was on the Greta Gerwig films like Frances Ha and um, what is this, some of the other Noah Baumbach movies. So it seems like she is the industry of Barbenheimer. Uh, I also did Tenet um, for Nolan um, during uh, the COVID time. We're going we're gonna to have um, a critical reappraisal one day of Tenet. That was – I agree with Tomas's take that that, that Nolan is – incredibly like self-referential and like oh, yeah, and lives up his own ass but i love yeah, his movies yeah. and i think tenet yeah. was unfairly beaten up because we watched it on our couches um for the yeah most part. on laptops, and on laptops or, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, really hot on it this is as close to a tight 90 as a three-hour movie can be as well so say. here's a curveball you guys what's another give me your like dream Dropping on the, you know, I, I loved what, t- actually, I love what, 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 what Gerald just said. Um, the, what was, what was the phrase you used? Uh, the harmony of opposites. Is that what you yeah, said? Uh, yeah. The melding uh, of opposites, what have you. Yeah, melody yeah, yeah. Of opposite. Yeah. I, so what's, what's like, what's an example of like another two movies that you guys would think would create this kind of effect? Cause I think that this is going to have to be what the theater industry and what Hollywood does going forward when they settle all of their myriad labor disputes and other problems, they got to figure out how to get like, the two segments of society together all coming to the theaters at the same time and getting people hyped. I mean, like they're going to have to manufacture this shit. Sorry to pop this balloon because you have kids, you know, and it's sad, but we're not going back to the movies, baby. Like it's over. Like the strike is not being resolved. Climate apocalypse is coming. (laughs) There's complete ecosystem collapse within like a five year window. Uh, Fucking the heat is killing cacti in Phoenix, bro. Like the water was the temperature of a hot tub. Of the Florida Keys, sorry, listener, it's over. No more movies for you. Yeah. the the yeah. A, the age of the U, age of the YouTube streamer is going to be upon us because they are not, you know, they're not unionized. They're not, you know, in breach of contract <laughs> if they, you know, just go through rip through the headlines and give their takes on things. Um, also, I think we're going to be at their mercy for the next little while. Also, I don't, I don't think, you know, even if we somehow end up back at the movies for a short window before the climate apocalypse i I just don't i feel like studios are gonna try to replicate this and it's gonna like just not not happen the fact that it happened by accident is what made it fun yeah 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 and in fact christopher nolan was being being a little bitch about it he was like mad that his movie was opening up as the next 
uh, uh, at the same time as as Barbie. And to me, it's like, bro, like I think embrace that shit. Barbie made a lot more money. Like Barbie brought people to the theater, and somehow this Barbenheimer thing happened. Like it boosted your movie. If yeah, fucking dumbass. Yeah, Barbie right now is well before this weekend because we're filming this uh, in the middle of the weekend um, of the second weekend of these movies being out. But before then, internationally, Barbie was at two hundred million and on pace for five hundred million for a five hundred million domestic take, which means probably like a billion. That's a lot internationally. Yeah, yeah. And our uh, Oppenheimer's doing well in its own respect. Oppenheimer passed had just passed 100 million. By the way, somebody did some um, some deep analytic tracking, and they found that five million dollars of Oppenheimer's uh, uh, opening weekend take was directly from people who were there to see Barbie and uh, and and couldn't because it was sold out. So that's yeah. You know, Christopher Nolan, why don't you, why don't you shut your little bitch ass up, man? Yeah, yeah. And just say thank yeah. you to Greta Gerwig yeah, for that $5 million. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. So thank you. <laughs> respect women. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, the, as the box office heats up, so has the water surrounding our peninsula, as Tomas just alluded to from the Miami Herald uh, just yesterday. Uh, the waters bordering Florida are running abnormally hot, alarming climate scientists about the potential for damaging ripple effects on the marine environment from coral reef bleaching to co- uh, coastal fish gills and algae blooms. Now viral maps from the University of Miami show record highs for this time of year, just about everywhere off the coast, including the Atlantic Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, Biscayne Bay, and the Florida Bay. Last week, we set a new record with five foot deep shallow basin water temperatures off the keys coming in at a fresh 101 degrees. Soupy, downright soupy. Um, this is fucking disgusting, guys. This feels horrible. And I, I know that it's not just I, I know that it's not just the uh the media incepting another Christopher Nolan uh, mentioned. Um it's not just the media incepting this man. I walk outside and I've I, look, I've lived here for 17 years. Before this, I lived in Las fucking Vegas for eight years. This is the hottest that I've ever yes. fucking felt anything in my life yeah i i said uh i saw on scientific american they're estimating the last time it was this hot uh on planet earth was one hundred and twenty thousand years ago like and we managed to get there just in a few decades like people who are like oh it's been this hot before it's like yes tens if not hundreds of thousands of years ago and never was the rate of increase this fast yeah, the water in the Florida Keys is literally the fucking temperature of a hot dog. I got out of my fucking house, stepped into my yard last week when it was like boiling, and there was this. It was like noon, right? Uh, it was literally like there was like a yellow, like sun glare over everything that felt so hot and literally apocalyptic. And I was like, "This is not normal." Like, if I spend enough time outside right now, I. I will die. Like it's so hot. It's not okay. Um, even more, even even more bad news. Uh, that hot water that Tomas is talking about uh, is leading to what's called coral bleaching, which um, the remaining like reefs and uh, you know coral life that is so important to the ecosystem that surrounds. I mean, it's basically like uh, like a huge hunk of the Florida ecosystem, even though it's just offshore. Uh, it's imperiled like never before. The, uh, the 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 Herald's Alex Harris wrote um, a couple days ago about how dozens of scientists working to save Florida's coral reefs are scrambling to save what they can, taking the highly unusual step of removing imperiled specimens and bringing them to the key marine laboratory. So we're like rolling up the carpet, basically. We're like grabbing our coral and bringing it back to the 
to the university to store it until it's safe to put back in the fucking ocean. Well, it would, um, it will never this is all be. super normal. It stuff. will never, which it will never be, um, or maybe like hundreds of thousands of years from now, bro. It's over. I I was reading this thing. It, the, the ice shelf in Antarctica, an an area the size of New Mexico that should have been like refrozen because you know it, it periodically melts by like I think June, just has not refrozen it's still water reconstituted and it yeah. keeps kind of melting and scientists are like yeah th- this is this could be the start of the collapse of the antarctic ice shelf which is something that you know scientists have been warning about for decades now uh, it's over it's not you fucked it up gerald you, you talked you, you talked about uh 200,000 years 180,000 years ago 120 yeah. 120,000 years ago like like as if that's such a bad thing but you forget that's also when we grew our thumb or our, yeah. our pinky finger. So who knows what we might get this time? Maybe we'll yeah. we'll get an, an another head or some shit. Like fast forward on on evolution, maybe. If I grow a second tongue, I can eat twice as much, twice as quickly. I mean, there's you know, there's upside. Like we said, there's upsides to awful things happening. You don't know. <laughs> I, it, what's what's the craziest shit about this to me, at least, is. Not necessarily the, I mean, like, it's pretty horrible, everything that's the way it's playing out and how it literally just feels to exist down here right now. It feels horrible. But, like, this is kind of, Tomas, like, the, like the insurance crisis thing. Nobody is fucking talking about this in any place that matters. Nobody in, like, in, in Tallahassee has any kind of, I, I looked up recently what are, like, what are uh, Miami-Dade County and Broward County, like, resiliency offices that they founded, like, 10 years ago are doing. As far as I can tell, they're writing newsletters, but not much else. I mean, I I don't know, man. It doesn't seem like on a state level or even on a municipal level, and forget about national, that we're like doing anything to, to, to fix this. I'm I'm not even talking about like carbon emissions. I just mean like like, hey, can we set some money aside for the people who are literally a, a worker in homestead fucking died the other day I from mean, heat. At exposure. this point, what would be needed to fix this would be like a New Deal type. Pro- I mean, we have the Green New Deal, but even yeah. that would ha- it would have to go further. Like, we would need a complete reorientation of our complete economic sector, our our logistical supply chain, our urban planning. You know, our resource allocation, not just in the United States, really, but particularly in the United States, but on a global scale. And it's that's just not going to happen uh, until we are forced uh, by the climate and nature itself. Uh, to you know to adjust and that's gonna be a painful and deathly process unfortunately so i i mean i hate to be a doomer you know whoever's listening but uh, i i think we're off we're you know there's some uh troubling and tough times ahead uh for all of us globally that it it like does make you desperate that like there's some i guess to bring it back to oppenheimer that there's some guy somewhere working on this project that could like safely like scrub the excess like carbon from that but like something to keep like make it so that we're not like baking ourselves so that like energy executives can like report good quarterly profits for their shareholders like for just so someone else can make money like it makes you desperate to hope that like there's some guy in his basement working on something because like you said like the alternative is we're going to turn like the infrastructure of our civilization on a dime and it's like that's no that's 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 tough <laughs> you know? a story uh that was so indicative uh of the problem at, at a micro scale but so apparently city bikes 
is owned by Lyft. I didn't know this. I thought it was like a public mm, yeah. city-owned asset. Well, I also I thought that, so yeah. Ignorant. But um, in, in, in New York, City Bikes has been such a successful program that uh, Lyft believes or has assessed that it's bas- basically cutting into the profit margin of, of, of their main grift, which is you know the, the gig economy based on cars. Yeah. So they are looking to sell city bikes and sabotage it in the process to basically dump it and reorient people away from you know biking into taking lifts. Again, that's the story yeah. of America, right? Like the 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 yeah. walkable, pedestrian-friendly urban planning in cities was destroyed by the car lobby and the fossil fuel lobby that wanted gas stations, parking lots. Big avenues, roads, highways, you know, trains have been, you know, uh, sabotaged by the airline industry like Southwest did in Texas because they don't want people having a, a good train grid. So people take, you know, planes. Um, by Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Uh, did, was, wasn't that a thing from like four or five years ago? Gerald, do you remember that? That Elon Musk was proposing, and it came out that he was proposing a corridor, like a, a, a high-speed rail corridor, just because he like he intended to never. No, no, this was um, I think from L.A. to San Francisco, mm. and it was because he he just intended to never build it. He was like, no, let me, I'll put in the bid on it, and and just never make it, and then that way it won't happen. That that's that's the story of all of his projects. Like it's it's all all cyber truck all the time. It's I, I have this great idea for this thing that you'll never see, and then I'm on yeah. to the next so thing. That, that, like, that, that video, like a Barnum Bailey. That video guy. of him like hitting the cyber truck with a bat or throwing a ball at it. I don't remember. And then it just like, like <laughs> this is bulletproof. And then he just throws the thing and it just breaks. Was like a brick yeah, or something. Yeah. Okay, analogy. not this one. Another that's one. That's the perfect a analogy one. for Twitter. Like what he's doing to Twitter or X or whatever the fuck it's called. Be like, yeah, yeah. Well, this is not gonna break. This is great. Brack. <laughs> X. That's an, that's another thing that happened while we were while while we were on our little extended break is Twitter turning into X. Um, but this uh, back to the change in our or the, the the manifestation of the climate change that we're feeling here in Florida. I mean, this stuff is coming with a. Um, with a cost, with a price tag. And we can kind of pick apart whether or not how much of it is like, I don't know, coastal liberals, like finding Florida politically distasteful versus it just being disgusting to physically be here. Um, but hotel occupancy, according to one GM's Greater Miami Convention Bureau's uh, Miami and the beaches, uh, like kind of like our, our, our tourism um, arm down here, has hotel occupancy down by 61% um in a, a recent report and uh the state tourism board is com- what's that yeah i'll send it to you i'll forward it to you um the state tourism board is complaining about a lack of international uh visitors that's on the state level um 10 conventions have canceled upcoming events uh alpha phi alpha which is the largest um black fraternity fraternity in the country has pulled their convention from orlando expressly in that case um uh because of warnings from groups like the NAACP about you know Florida Florida is not super friendly to 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 black people I don't know if uh if if that's breaking news or not but yeah so and then um on top of all this we're staring down the barrel of the two most active no the three most active hurricane months of the season August September October and um same old same old story farmers and AAA have become the most recent insurers to announce that they are no longer writing new policies here 
in, in Florida, according to CBS News. So all of this stuff comes with a price tag. And I just, to me, it seems really hard to tie it all together. Maybe that's the purpose of podcasts like this, but to tie it together into a cohesive picture, like these things aren't just discrete individual stories happening that it's like they are all interrelated like by being as unwelcoming and as hostile as possible you've made it so that no one wants to go there anymore <laughs> who would have imagined who yeah. could have foreseen this i think a lot of that stuff though it's uh more related to like the political climate than actual like the climate change um effect. anyway uh, obviously it's very hot and uncomfortable right now but yeah i think a lot of it is just you know uh like different special interest groups or advocacy groups or groups that represent people that are being attacked by state level legislation in the state being like, well, there's 49 other states. Fuck you, Florida. We're not coming here. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like it, it feels like when when people make a comment about it publicly, they are definitely um, tacking it to the political reality, to the to the right word lilt. Right. And it feels like that's what's penetrating people's heads but i mean i literally i do know again as a parent i know parents who didn't do the disney trip this year because it's like just being outside being under the fucking heat like dealing with and that's its own morass of you know pain in the ass like having to deal with disney but like these things are like kind of wending their way through our our reality in in, in, in different ways shit like disney has gotten more expensive expensive as shit yeah the state is expensive as fuck it has the highest number of toll roads in america look that up fact has the highest inflation in the country the hotels are expensive as fuck everything is expensive as Mm -hmm. shit it's hot as hell it's unwelcoming you know unless you're like a fucking asshole conservative you know that hates everyone so yeah, people are like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going somewhere else. There's there's no stretch of America that I've there's no stretch of America that is like more unwelcoming or feels like less like approachable than the part the like the Kissimmee South Orange part of Orlando that you have to go through to get to the parks. It's like you're just in this big wide hot field of like sawgrass it's just like parking lots and traffic parking lots no. of traffic and strip malls and shitty strip yeah. malls um so i don't know guys do you think that do you think that our governor has blown his shot at, at uh becoming the leader of the free world it says according to politico that uh that conservatives in the know are trying to move the uh the, the move the um conversation over to South Carolina's Tim Scott. Like, <laughs> if they were so in the know, they would never back this guy in the first yeah. place. Like, it was always going to be it's, Trump. Like, it was always going to be it's, this way. It's, it's Trump versus Biden. We don't like it, but it is what it is. That, that's your choice. That's your choices. You can vote. You can not so vote, this from political, but that's that is going to be the ticket. Yeah. So this from Politico um, a few weeks ago, but we weren't we weren't um, publishing at the time. So I wanted to kind of reach backwards. Uh, and it's only gotten more true in the last couple of weeks, the, 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 the tenor of this article. And that is top, top donors souring on DeSantis start looking at Tim Scott. Um, billionaire Ronald Lauder met with the South Carolina senator. Others in the check writing class, I love that, the check writing class, are also interest, uh, also showing interest. With Ron DeSantis stalling in the Republican presidential primary. Again, this was two weeks ago. Only gotten mm-hmm. worse since then. We can, t- yep. we can talk about that a little bit. We've got more, yeah. <laughs> Some wealthy donors who'd hoped he would beat Do- uh, Donald Trump are now giving Tim Scott a serious look. 
including uh, this includes billionaire businessman Ronald Lauder of the Estee Lauder makeup air. Who, he is an Estee Lauder makeup air who supported Trump in 2020. Uh, recently flew to South Carolina, met with Scott, the state's junior senator and long shot presidential candidate, according to three people aware of the meeting. I hadn't really thought of Tim Scott. I know that he... Um, Join the club, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> like this says more about. I feel like this says more about DeSantis than sweeping the nation. What? Uh, I don't know, T. Maybe you can bring us up to speed a little bit on on the most recent um, organizational changes and updates in the um, in the DeSantis camp because I think they've uh, they've lost a few folks, right? They had a little bit of a reduction in force. Yeah, I, I can do it real quick. They fired one third of their staff, and then they fired an additional guy because he posted a video with a Nazi meme on it. And people started calling him out on it. And, you know, that's, that's uh, I believe cool, his name honestly. was Hockman. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I was actually debating one of his moms for Liberty Psychos the other day on Spanish TV. And she was like, oh, the, you know, he laid off one third of the staff because he's making strategic adjustments to the campaign to really prioritize what's needed to be done and get lean and mean. And I was like, dog, I, I worked on a presidential campaign before and. You know, we were uh, the Bernie campaign. We were the underdog, but like, and we we didn't win. But at no point did we lay off like one third of the staff. You know, like in a year and a half before the election. You know, like that's not a strategic decision. That's a financial mismanagement decision. The the only person who comes to mind who like had to make these moves in the summer and like got the nomination was John McCain. John McCain. I was thinking of that. Yeah. Who, who was already like popular from his run in 2000. And like at the time, like better likes than at least Rudy Giuliani, who was supposed to be the, but the, the th- but Gerald, and, the thing about John right. McCain is that you could spend five minutes with him without right. feeling like you needed a shower yeah. afterwards. Right. Like, like, yeah. John, John Stewart would look forward to having him on the yeah. show. I mean, he was like, a war criminal. He sucked, but, the other yes. difference was that, you know, during that John McCain uh, uh, 2007, 2008 primary, yeah, like he was pretty down in the polls, but no one, everybody was like two points apart, three points apart, five points apart. No one had like a 40, 30, sometimes 50% point commanding lead like the, the in every single poll right. and increasingly in every single state poll like Trump has. I don't know. I just don't see. And every time they indict him, they just martyr this guy he's like the, the you know the fucking conservatives think he's like the maga nelson mandela you know what i mean like it's crazy so like yeah every time they indict him he just goes up in the polls at least the primary polls so i don't know right it's 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 trump biden uh, i i feel confidently saying it DeSantis go, going back to florida with his tail you know between his legs it's, it's over it's not all the fun, all the fun of Kendall Roy when he's not on meth. Like there's just like nothing there, just at an absolute like blank slate. We all saw, I guess, by now the video of him turn. T- sorry, is this a Succession reference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Season one, he, he's on meth, and that's the. Mo- oh, all right, I, I was rewatching it lately. He he, but- he 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 vacillates wildly between recovery and um and yeah. relapse. Yeah. Yeah, so which I we all do, the, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> so yeah, we've seen the video, I guess, by now of him turning fifteen degrees away from the person who he's apparently still listening to and laughing at, having a beer, and then like the personality changes and says, "We're gonna go say hi to everybody." Yeah, like if that's the guy, 
that you're putting tens of millions of dollars on, you don't care about your tens of millions the, the of dollars. Like, you were going to throw it away the anyway. The week was he, like, in Iowa, and he just, like, leans over to, like, a child with, like, this was, oh, yeah. snarl on his face. Like, not friendly at all. And he's like, is, is that an icy? Wow, that's a lot of sugar, isn't it? And just... Turns yeah. the this guy's obsession with sugar. What the fuck is going on? This guy is like the weirdest keto guy in the world. First of all, you're supposed to eventually get skinny on keto. Like yeah. you're not supposed to just stay 40 pounds overweight. At some point, you're yeah. supposed to yeah. see some kind of fucking like, results. And, what, like, look at yourself. Like your nickname is Meatball, first of all. Second of all, like a normal person would be like, wow, cool and icy. That's great. You know, what's your what's that flavor? My favorite flavor is blah, blah. Well, you know, enjoy that. But it's not that hard. Jesus, I can't wait until what the, the, those kids from the I don't even want to say it, but like it's hard to imagine that if your mom and dad put you in a fucking video, a, a campaign video when you're like six months old uh, of building a wall and holding Donald Trump's book that like you don't end up on a fucking clock tower with a rifle at some point in your life while they're like monitoring your sugar intake for 18 years Look, and that, that, sure that, that, that whole <laughs> family freaks me out i don't like it at all but also on the nazi uh Sonnenrand video it's so weird. Wait, Joe, like, Joe, Joe, set, set this up a little bit more. Explain what I, that is. Because not maybe not I, everybody saw that. That was such an extremely online fucking chapter of this campaign. This guy. It was essentially, uh, it was Hockman. Just, What's his name? Tomas, I'm sure. Nate, Nate, Hockman, Nate Hockman. Is that yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Claremont Institute guy. Um, epic Groiper. Um, there was a clip, I guess, in a video that got deleted very quickly, but not quickly enough, um, where there's – a shot of soul, what appear to be soldiers, um, and then the camera moves in towards the center figure of Ron DeSantis, who has a son and ran uh, around his head, uh, you know, an arch. Um, sort of like the, the sainted, you know, stained glass style that you would see in like um, like a Catholic church or something. But it's right. a son or it's a completely different meaning, a different, you know. And this was laundered basically from the campaign to an outside group. And then the outside group had to take it down a minute later. Um made by a staffer who had uh, who was you know promptly uh, fired and now the campaign doesn't want to talk about him which is weird because like we were saying they they have all these big pocket donors they say that their strategy is to let ron be ron but in practice like imagine in 2019 like cory booker like going to like wall street or and like big pharma and making his pitch for the primaries and then you saw in practice what he's actually going to what the lesson he learned from 2016 is that the road to power is pandering to the spartacist league like it is (laughs) like the desantis campaign might be the most politically illiterate one i've seen maybe ever and i hope i don't see enough well i'm young enough where i probably will but i i I can't imagine asking these like big wigs for their money and then posting sonoran you know and epic pepes and all the rest as part of your pitch to teenagers who probably either a can't vote or b we're gonna vote for trump anyway like they're in the they're in the fold gerald elections are just gonna get stupider from now on i know like it's Wait, are you saying that to cheer me up, or because no. <laughs> that might no, cheer I mean, me like, up? I was just thinking. I was just thinking when 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 Tomas was when, when you guys were both talking about McCain, uh, it feels like the the DeSantis campaign watched 2008 and they were like, ah, his mistake was that uh, Sarah Palin should have been the, the candidate. 
Like that's, yeah. that's what they learned. That was their learning that, oh, we should have gone with the epic mama bear uh, shit. It, it, you know who's who's to blame for this? I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's Ron DeSantis really. But mm-hmm. like the person who specifically, I think, the keeper of all this shit is a name, another name that we've talked about a lot on this show. The the two online shit, the Hawkman shit, the Sonnenrand shit. It's Christina Pouchat. Because oh, before yeah. her, he was just a, a sort of a generic conservative ghoul in Congress. And then a generic Republican ghoul governor, right? Like it didn't feel like this extra like this dimension of super online shit. And it feels like when she came over from Georgia, from the fucking not the state, no, of Georgia. not the state of Georgia doing we the nation state of Georgia, doing political work, uh, the nature of which we're still not entirely clear of exactly what yeah. she was doing over there. Um, like when she came over from, from there, it's like he became a different political creature. You know, it, it's a case of what came before the chicken or the egg. It's like, did COVID radicalize this guy? I mean, he was always a right-wing cycle when he was in Congress or the people around him or whatever, but he definitely flipped the switch during COVID and brought all these psychos in. And they definitely have influenced the tenor of his politics. Like, Because he was always a psycho, but he's just insane now. And, and the campaign is so fucking online. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, It's not so online. Every, you, have to, you have to spend, like, just half of your day on x.com to to know half of the references that they're like that like the way that they like they're like it, it reminds me of the shit with like you remember during the trump administration when some officials were sneaking in like 14 and 88 into different you know um, oh, yeah. press releases it's like it's so bespoke for the worst people in the world and it's like and, and you have to spend half your time like just glued to your phone screen And we talked about it before on a previous episode where even in his idealized, even in the commercial, this is the commercial spot that he had full, complete creative approval and control on that featured him, featured his message, featured his wife, featured all the optics that they want. It was still the creative choice for them to have all of the voters, all of the Joe six packs engaging with him through a screen on the on the the, the 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 screen of the or on the on in the text of the of the actual video it was people like looking at their phones and be like mm, I like that that's good and not like yeah. actually shaking his hand or meeting yeah. him or letting him like drool on their baby or whatever he would do if you handed well, him a baby just, who fucking he knows? hates people he clearly yeah. he hates being around them he has like just complete he's completely repulsed when he has to talk to a voter and you can see that I mean, you know, Trump is too, but like he genuinely like goes and like, like works a room, you know, like pretends otherwise very well, where it's like DeSantis just cannot do that. But he at least likes the people who they like also, like palling around with Michael Jackson at the Taj in Atlantic City and like, you know, pre-murder trial, OJ Simpson, Tom Brady, like the people he likes are also the people they generally like they generally yes. like like he, he at least likes to tell fun stories about hanging out at the, the whole um me and Pavarotti, we would sit in the opera and we'd say boy we might be the biggest bellies in all of manhattan and this is during covid <laughs> like this is the height of a pandemic and he's telling big belly stories with Pavarotti or whatever the- <laughs> yeah no, but DeSantis, yeah, DeSantis can't see a child holding an icy without getting upset. 
Can I can I throw can I throw like a curveball random question at you guys? And and I'll tell you how I got there is that just like right now where we're talking about like what this guy is pretending to be versus like what he probably really is or or always has been. And I had this interesting conversation with somebody the other day where I was we were trying to figure out who was probably the first atheist president because they all pretend that they believe in God, but like, mm-hmm. but I wonder who, and my answer was Obama. I'm, I'm, and, and then I changed my answer to HW. I feel like HW was probably the first actual atheist president. Um, yes. But I don't know. What do you, what, and, and, and the only three that I can think of are HW, Obama and Trump. And pretty much everybody else, I think, is a true believer. But I don't know. I would, I would say Trump was our first pagan president. Oh, yeah. The god, the god he worshipped was the golden calf of himself. I mean, that's, that's, um, I don't want to get nerdy. There is a case he made for Jefferson, um, who literally re- rewrote the New Testament, but took out all reference to the miracles um, oh, and called okay. the life and life, the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth. Look at Cheryl. Look at the brain on Jay. I know. I know. I wore my glasses just for you guys today. <laughs> a couple of smooth brain boys. I know. Yeah. Uh, the, there's a case to be made for Jefferson. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, T? Anybody? Anybody jump to mind? You think? You think maybe it was all an act with W? You think maybe he? Was, I, I feel like he was like the most true no. believer. No, guy he was a fucking true believer. He fucking He was like, crazy. it's either this or dying from crack. And like I don't want to die of yeah. crack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think H H W Senior Bush, good contender. Um definitely Trump does not believe in God, like hundred percent. Like that is like a sure a sure, sure pick. But I don't know if the first, but definitely one of them. By the way, you guys know who was um, playing the role of the Fran Drescher uh, head of the Actors Union the last time the actors stroke struck. Who one Ronald Reagan, nineteen sixty eight? Yeah, exactly. He was the he was the head of the union, spokesperson for the union, yeah. and um, working champ, working class champion. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, let that I'll finish up well, as we get to the end of the hour. We'll finish up with one um, one more article I wanted to share with you guys. This doesn't affect you yet, but just wait. Mm. It will. It affects me right now, but it will affect you guys very soon when these when these kids start getting out into the world. This comes from uh, WESH in um, in Orlando, Florida. Uh, Florida allows teachers to use conservative PragerU curriculum in classroom. Uh, this oh is from God, last God. week. Uh, Dateline is Orange County, Florida. Florida is the first state to allow the conservative curriculum PragerU in public schools. The group says they create video magazines and books to offer, quote, a free alternative to the dominant left-wing ideology in culture, medium, and uh, media, and education. PragerU also claims that students are failing because schools are more concerned with pushing radical activism instead of teaching. Unlike facts. me. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike PragerU. Unlike, is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the PragerU CEO, Marissa Strait, says uh, parents, quote, parents have felt that they need to really uh, that they have been really pushed out of the education of their children. Um, she said they're now bringing PragerU kids content to classrooms and Florida is the first to sign up. I'll spare you the rest of this article, but I will tell you that this is hand in glove with the recent attention getting um, curriculum change that is, uh, you know, that aims to. You know, show the bright side of slavery, basically saying that, like, you know, kid, that 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 um, teaching kids that that slaves uh, earn learned how to code or something. I don't know. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's it's it, it, I, I out of curiosity, I looked and sure enough, there were there is a slew of PragerU 
uh, content focused on, um, you know, not just how slaves benefited from slavery, but uh, also how um, how in order to abolish slavery, it required black people and white people and lots and lots of white people working together. And that when you get down to it, guys, it was actually the white people that got rid of slavery and abolished it. So who's to say who's bad after all? Uh, so, yeah, I can't wait to see my daughter come home with a fucking QR code that opens this shit up on my laptop. Can't wait. It's going to be fucking great. Yeah, Dave, I wanted to ask you, because, you know, I don't have kids, but, you know, I, I'm not, like, set on having kids, but I would like to, you know, um, possibly. They're okay. They're fine. Yeah, they're cool. I mean, you know, whatever. But if I do, I don't know, I would not I would not do it in Florida. Do you ever consider moving? Constantly. Every moment of every well, single day. It's, 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 it's the ever-present kid. existential dilemma of my being. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's stopping it. you. Um, okay. Well, I could give the snarky answer and like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and be like sarcastic and podcast funny and, and just talk about like real estate prices and in, in the places that I actually want to live uh, or like the way that I'm wearing fucking golden handcuffs in my house right now, because it's worth so much money from when I bought it that if I sold it, I would have no fucking place to go because I can't afford anything else. Um, but the reality of it is that like, at the end of the day, Miami is still a community, man. And a community is what mm. you make of it. And we've made a lot of community here. We have friends who walk out the front door. And uh, in between here and going up to the band shell where we were at last night, we see, we talk to, we in- encounter 20 people that we know and um, maybe half of them that we care about and care about us. It's hard to separate, you know, when you have like a nine-year-old kid from community, the only community she's known. That's the real answer is that it's hard that happened to me when I was like 14 and it like fucked with me pretty badly when I made a big move across the country. And, uh, so there's probably some weird like trauma shit lined up in there too, but yeah, got to get the fuck out of here, man. I think about it all the time. That's real as fuck, David. (laughs) I'm I'm getting the fuck out of here eventually. (laughs) I I wanted to ask on the Prager you question. Um, the whole like white people were also helping with ending slavery. What was the, was it like a scent like white noblesse oblige that they felt bad at what they were seeing and needed to intervene? Was it waged white workers having their economic interests undercut by the slave trade? Or was it white people learning that black people were gaining all these skills from slavery and resented the skills that they were learning and, and racistly ended slavery? Like what is their pitch? In your in your question lies the the like one of the core critiques of doing this bullshit. No, no, the answer is no, none of those things. It, it's Whoa. all presented. It's all presented as just manifestly, inherently John Brown level of like uh, of, of benevolent, good white people. But ascribing that um, that John Brown level, which I mean, like he was an exceptional person for his time. Right. Like virulently, violently anti-racist. Great. Needed more of them. This curriculum posits that there were plenty of John Browns, that all white people were John Browns. Everybody they don't was, like John Brown. I know. It's such a fucking, <laughs> it's such a contradiction in terms. And the only way that I can think of it is that it's a foot in the door. It's a foot in the door for them to get this content in, to just get it in there. And uh, Appropriating John Brown from a, a pro-Confederate angle is certainly something. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I've only gotten maybe an inch deep on all of this stuff. And, uh, 
Yeah. My, my daughter's, my daughter's pretty, um, I was telling you guys before we started recording that my daughter's pretty, uh, pretty woke and she's a, 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 for a nine-year-old, she's a, a pretty vocal critic of the United States of America. So I can't wait to see right. how her um, fourth grade registered Republican teacher, uh, can't wait to see how that goes over this year. We, we might have a, a fun episode about that um, at some point.